you have your Bibles this morning, I hope that you'll find 2 Samuel, the 15th chapter. And while you're uh, finding that, thank you for the video. I did not get to watch it, but I will watch it this afternoon. And uh, as always, thank you for October, for loving our family. It's never asked for, but uh, it's appreciated by some of the people that live in my house. And uh, just kidding, just kidding. Uh, but I want to talk to you today about some very difficult stuff. And you're going, well, Jake, everything's been difficult here lately. And this is what I believe as you're finding that. I believe that the Lord wants to reach lost people. I believe the Lord wants to reach people that live in our community that don't go to church, that don't like church, that don't care about the things of God. Um, but the only way that happens is when I believe the church does two things. Uh, one, preaches the truth and lives the truth. And uh, you can find churches on every corner, buildings of people who meet and sing and congregate. But what our community needs are people who have experienced the love of God, and the love of God changes them in a real and authentic way. Uh, And when we're looking at the life of King David, you think and I think about so many things. The greatest king that Israel ever had. The man after God's own heart. But when we're looking at chapters 14 and 15 and 16, we're looking at David in the middle of relationship problems. And let's be honest, relationships are something we all have. Some of them are good, some of them are bad, some of them are relationships we would not give up for anything, and some of them are relationships we would trade for nothing in return. Uh, Some relationships bring us great joy, other relationships bring us great pain. And so when we find ourselves today, King David is getting ready to be betrayed by his son. Not only does his son want his throne, but he wants everything that he has. And he would even end his life if that is the case. Now what happens in our life is we like to think we don't have any problems. Our family doesn't have any drama. We don't don't have any difficult relationships. Everything is just perfect. But we're going to be starting a series called A House Divided. And today, for you, that might be your workplace. No one gets along, everybody backbites, and the the place that you work is miserable. Maybe today it's church. Maybe you feel like you've been hurt, you've been betrayed, you've been let down. And so for you, church feels like a house divided. Maybe today, if we're going to get a little more honest, you would say your home is divided. Maybe you and your spouse are not headed in the same direction. And it's a miracle today that you're even here together. Maybe it's your relationship with your children, your grown children, your aging parents. Maybe it's a mother-in-law, father-in-law, sister-in-law, brother-in-law. Maybe it's someone close to you that you've been friends with for years. Jesus teaches us about a home and a city and a nation divided. And this morning I believe God wants you to have life and life more abundantly. I believe God wants you to have a marriage that has life and more life abundant. But you and I can also make a choice to bring it all down. I believe God's plan for this church is to do great and mighty things, to reach the lost, to worship Him, to see things that are just absolutely all Him. But I also believe we can ruin it. And so if you would stand with me, I want to read from you just a few verses from the book of Matthew chapter 12 starting in verse 22. In Matthew 12, verse 22, the Bible says, Then one was brought to him who was demon-possessed, 
blind and mute, and he healed him, so that the blind and mute man both spoke and saw. And all the multitudes were amazed and said, Could this be the son of David? Now when the Pharisees heard it, they said, This fellow does not cast out demons except by Beelzebub, the ruler of demons. But Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. And every city or house divided against itself will not stand. Pray with me. Father, today I lift up this group of people. Father, for whatever they come with today, whatever pain, whatever hurt, whatever joy, God, that you know them and their situation. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would be at work in the hearts and lives of this group of people. Father, today I pray that you would work here. Lord, I am unable, I am capable of doing what you've asked me to do. So Father, I ask that you would show out. God, I pray that you will not leave me here to fail and falter on my own. And so Father, I pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to think about those words that Jesus just told us. Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. And every city or house divided against itself will not stand. That word for house is not talking about a physical structure being cut in two. It's talking about a home. It's talking about when a husband and wife cannot love Jesus and love each other in the same direction. It's talking about when parents and children cannot come together and honor and serve the Lord. A city, it's not talking about the actual streets and the houses on those streets. It's the people who make up a community together. We're talking about kingdom, it's not like the Roman Empire that split into the east and to the west. It's the hearts and minds of the people. And this morning I know this is going to be very difficult because if we're honest, all of us have been in situations where things have been torn apart. Maybe you're here today and you're saying, Jake, our marriage, you just don't know what my spouse has done to me. Maybe you're here today and you're saying, Jake, you just don't know what my friends have done to me. You just don't understand. And you're right. I probably don't. I also want to caution us because as we look at this passage of Scripture, all of us want to view ourselves as David, the victim of this situation. But sometimes, friends, we can be not David, but Absalom. Sometimes we can be the problem. Sometimes we can do the hurting. And the choice that you and I have is this. We can either trust God and His promises and watch God build something that will last. Or we can make our own decisions, live through our own pride, and watch what it says there. It will not stand. Friends, if you want to celebrate 50 years of happy marriage, it's not going to be on your own. It's going to be because you love Jesus. If you want to know what it's like to be in a church that is joyful and exciting and worth being a part of, it's not because of us. It's because we love Him. And out of that, the overflow happens. And so today I just really pray that you and I will just get honest with God, honest with ourselves, and really look at the relationships in our life. And so the first thing I want to show you if you're taking notes, and I pray that you will, is the danger of fake relationships and flattery. The danger of fake relationships and flattery. Before we start, I hope that you'll remember where we're at. 
Absalom had murdered his brother, he fled to his grandfather's house. And for a period of a couple years, nothing happened. And eventually, Absalom didn't want to come back on his own. He didn't, he didn't ask for forgiveness. But Joab tricked the king into bringing him back. And when he got back, King David said, you can come home, but you can't have a relationship with me. You can't have access to the throne. Alright? You, you cannot just come back after doing what you've done. But then after a period of time, we know that Absalom did not want a relationship with his father. He wanted a relationship with the throne. He didn't care about his father as a person, but he cared about the things that he could get from the king. And you can read chapter 14 and see over and over ago, let me see the king, I want to see the king, I need to see the king. And friends, this morning I want you to see that because what happened was David forgave, but Absalom never wanted to be forgiven. David was sorry about what had happened, but Absalom had never repented. And so how do we forgive people and love people in our life when they don't care that they've hurt us? How do we forgive someone and love them when they don't care that they've ruined our reputation all over town? How do we forgive and love someone who's broken their marriage vows and yet we're trying to make it work? Those are the real moments in our life that we have to get serious about let God changing us so that a lost and dying world can see that the Jesus we serve really changes people. That He can really forgive people that we can have a second chance no matter how far we've fallen. And so starting in 2 Samuel chapter 15, just going verse by verse like we've been going through this book, it says, After this it happened that Absalom provided himself with chariots and horses and fifty men to run before him. Now Absalom would rise early and stand beside the way to the gate. So it was whenever anyone who had a lawsuit came to the king for a decision that Absalom would call to him and say, What city are you from? And he would say, Your servant is from such and such a tribe of Israel. Then Absalom would say to him, Look, your case is good and right, but there is no deputy of the king to hear you. Moreover, Absalom would say, Oh, that I were made judge in the land, and everyone who has a suit or case would come to me. Then I would give him justice. And so it was, whenever anyone came to, near to bow down to him, that he would put out his hand and take him and kiss him. In this manner, Absalom acted toward all Israel who came to the king for judgment. So Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. And so what is going on here is, Absalom is trying to show people that he really matters, that he is loyal, that he is good, that he wants to help them. And friends, you and I all know people like that. We know they don't have our best entrance in mind. You know they don't have your best uh, future plans in mind. But when you see them, oh boy, aren't they friendly? Don't they know how to talk? Don't they know how to sell it? Don't they know how to really put on a good front? And deep down you're thinking, if you fell down a flight of stairs, I wouldn't feel bad, right? And um, don't, don't feel that way. That's just a joke, all right? But we all know people like that. Oh, they can talk the talk. You know, they're at church. They know how to say all the right words. They know how to act the right way. But you know how they really are. Maybe you're living with someone like that. 
Maybe you're saying, well, my husband or my wife, well, they know what to say at church and they know how to put on a good front and we've got everybody fooled that our marriage is so good and our kids are so perfect and, and deep down you know that things are a mess. Things are broken. I want you to see this because there are a couple things I want to show you. The first is this. In Jerusalem, there was no need for chariots. It's in a mountain area. It's on the side of a hill. Chariots and horses are uncalled for. But what Absalom was doing was he was wanting to call attention to himself. You see, friends, in order for someone to manipulate you and in order for someone to take advantage of you, they have to convince everyone else that they are a person that's worth trusting. They are a person that's worth following. But I also want to show you something. But if you have read with us in First and Second Samuel, you're probably saying, this sounds familiar. In 1 Samuel chapter 8, when the nation of Israel said, we don't want judges, we want a king. We don't want to be led by God. We want to fall, be like the world. Listen to what God told the children of Israel. In 1 Samuel chapter 8, verses 10 and 11. So Aunt Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who asked him for a king. And he said, this will be the behavior of the king who will reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them for his own chariots and to be his horsemen. And some will run before his chariots. You see, some of what was going on in King David's life was his own fault. Some of it was he hadn't been a good parent, he hadn't disciplined his children. Some of it was Absalom's fault. Absalom was the one that had rebelled. He was the one that had led this revolt against King David. But some of it was their own fault because they had wanted a king. And God said, if you want a king and you want to disobey me, there will be consequences to your sin. And in our life, that's the case, isn't it? Sometimes we know that the relationships that we have are broken because of us. We let someone down. We lied to them. We, we didn't do what they asked us to do. And so that relationships get strained. Sometimes broken relationships are not on us. It's someone else's sin. Maybe today you're here and you're going, Jake, I can't trust them because what they've done to me. And sometimes, friends, the problems that we face are someone else's doing altogether. Maybe it was a grandparent. Maybe it was a, a great-grandparent. Maybe it was someone down the line and those consequences have just continued on. What I want you to see, though, is this, that any time you and I struggle in relationships, the only thing we can do is to be honest and open. You see, Absalom realized something, that all these people would come to King David and they would want a judgment. So you might say, my neighbor stole my sheep. And you'd go to the king and said, that's my sheep, he stole it, it's got my marking on it. And so the king would say, I make a judgment that you get your sheep back. Or maybe there was a property dispute that my neighbor's animals are grazing on my ground and, and I don't want them to and this is the evidence, right? I don't know how they would prove that. Maybe they brought some sheep droppings. I don't know. They, you know, I, And so he would make a ruling. And what Absalom realized was, I'm going to sit at the front gate. And when all these unhappy people come, I'm going to tell them, oh, the king's too busy for you. The king can't make a difference in your life. But if there was just someone who would listen to you, and I think I could be that person. And so he would begin to listen to their cases, and then he would begin to say, well, whatever you want, I can give it to you. And then he began to say, if I was king, I would make sure that everybody was treated the same. 
And if you notice in this passage of Scripture, they didn't bow and He didn't honor them. He got them up and kissed their hand. He convinced them that He was their friend, that He was their buddy, that He was just like they were, and, and everything He wanted was what they wanted. And friends, what we see is a pattern of manipulation. And if you're honest and I'm honest, that is the hardest thing in the world to deal with. Because why? It's so easy to get pulled in. It's so easy to trust. It's so easy to think, you know what, that is right. How many times has that happened in your life? Someone says something about someone and spreads a rumor about someone. You're like, well, I don't know if that's true, but so-and-so said it, so it's got to be true. I've seen it in church. Well, you know, you know, I heard Pastor Jake wasn't very good, and you know, so-and-so's the one that told me. And if they, if they tell you, you know, it's got to be true. Probably you've seen it at work. Well, you know, our boss, he did this and he did that. Friends, I want you to see here today that if you're going to be in relationships with people, you have to be on guard. You have to be on guard in marriage. You have to be on guard at church. You have to be on guard at work. Because just because someone says something doesn't make it true. In Proverbs, the 26th chapter of the Bible, it gives this warning. He who hates disguises it with his lips and lays up deceit within himself. When he speaks kindly, do not believe him. For there are seven abominations in his heart. Though his hatred is covered by deceit, his wickedness will be revealed before the assembly. We're watching this go on right now in election season. Very few politicians care about you. I hate to tell you that. But all of them are making you promises. No matter which side of the aisle you are on, there's a promise for you. You want lower taxes? You can have them. You want higher taxes? You can have them. You want more government spending? You can have it. You want less government spending? You can have it. You want more access to abortion? You can have it. You want less access? You can have it. And it's all about getting you to support them. And friends, Absalom does the same thing. But can we get honest today? It happens in our personal life. It happens with the people we work with. It happens with the people we go to church with. It happens sometimes even with the people that are family. Second thing I want to show you this morning about relationships is this. People will use whatever they can to accomplish their goals. People will do whatever they can to accomplish their goals. Start here in verse 7 with me. Now it came to pass after 40 years, and most Bible scholars believe that it's four years, not 40, but it's not worth fighting over, okay? That Absalom said to the king, Please let me go to Hebron and pay the vow which I made to the Lord. For your servant took a vow while I dwelt in Geshur in Syria, saying, If the Lord indeed brings me back to Jerusalem, then I will serve the Lord. And the king said to him, Go in peace. So he arose and went to Hebron. Then Absalom sent spies throughout all the tribes of Israel, saying, As soon as you hear the sound of the trumpet, then you shall say, Absalom reigns in Hebron. And with Absalom went two hundred men invited from Jerusalem. And they went along innocently and did not know anything. Then Absalom sent for Ahithophel, the Gilonite, David's counselor, from his city, from Gilo, while he offered sacrifices. And the conspiracy grew strong, for the people with Absalom continually increased in numbers. You see, Absalom wanted the throne so bad that he goes to his father and says, I need to go worship God. 
can you give me leave to go away for a few days and worship God? And what we see from this passage of Scripture is Absalom uses religion, Absalom uses false worship to trick his father. And this morning I want you to know this. It doesn't matter who stands behind this pulpit. It doesn't matter who stands in front of you during Sunday school. It doesn't matter what television preacher you watch. You ought to constantly be checking them. It doesn't matter what they say. It doesn't matter what they're doing. It matters are they the real deal. Not only behind the scenes, but on the scenes. And so you should check everything that comes from this pulpit. Don't believe it because I've said it. Don't believe because I've quoted it. You need to know what God has said for you and to you. And this morning what we see is this, a wicked person who will tell you whatever you want to hear to get what you want or to get what they want from you. And this morning I say this because what we see, this is going on continually. You say, Jake, I don't think how this has to do with the Lord. Friends, you're in church today for a reason. Either it's because you love the Lord, because your wife drugged you, because you're trying to get your family where that you think the Lord wants you to be. And you need to know something. Not everyone who sits on a church pew cares about the things of God. And not everybody that's sitting next to you might care about what God has for your life. And so this morning I want you to see that because you need to know something. That is not who God is. God loves you. God died for you. God wants a relationship with you. God wants to make a difference in your marriage and in your home and in your life. And if you get so focused on the people sitting around you, they're going to fail you. This pastor is going to fail you. This church will fail you. But if your eyes are on Jesus, even when difficulties come, even when heartache comes, even when difficult moments in relationships come, you can stay on the right track. You can stay following Him, loving Him, and serving Him. There are a couple things from this passage of Scripture I want to show you. Verse 7 is the last time that Absalom ever refers to God. Every From now on, it's all about Him. In verse 9, it was the last time that David ever spoke to his son that we read about in Scripture. And his last two words were, or three words, go in peace. I want you to see this today because it's so important. In your relationships with other people, some of them are going to be your enemy. You are not responsible for how they treat you, only how you treat them. You cannot control if someone's going to lie about you, someone's going to betray you, someone's going to hurt you. All you can do is be who Christ wants you to be. In a marriage, you cannot control what your spouse does. You can't control always what your children do, but you can be the man or woman that God wants you to be. In Psalm 21, I want you to hear this today because as we begin to see what's going on here, Absalom is bringing all these people with him to go to war. He's bringing all these people to attack David and Jerusalem and to overthrow the throne. But in Psalm 21, the Bible says, For they intended evil against you. They devised a plot which they are not able to perform. Today it doesn't matter what the enemy is trying to do to you. The Lord is with you. It doesn't matter what someone is trying to do to you or say about you. If the Lord is with you, there is nothing that can happen to you that God does not allow. And who, he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. I say all this because what we see here is an interesting name. 
Ahithophel. That was Bathsheba's grandpa. Do you ever wonder why he might have wanted to go against David? Maybe it was the fact that he had ruined his family's reputation by what had happened. Maybe he had just been angry that David didn't do something else about it. But what we see here is that David was starting to reap what he had sowed. And as a believer, as a parent, as a friend, you and I need to know something. God is gracious and merciful to us, but sometimes we reap what we sow. Sometimes it comes back to us. And so as believers, we need to be reminded always that if we will love people, there will be people that will betray us, but there will be some who love us back. When we forgive, we need to understand there will be some people who will never forgive you back, but there will be some. And that brings me to the third and final point. You're thinking, oh my goodness, I'm so glad. Remember, you are not alone. In relationships, it is so easy to think that you were alone. And I say all that because all of us have been there. Every one of us have been betrayed. Every one of us have done the betraying. Everyone have felt like the world was against us. And I say all of that because when we look at King David, you would think he had everything. He had all the nation. He had all the soldiers. He had everything. How could he feel alone? Look what it says here in verses 13 through 18. Now a messenger came to David saying, The hearts of the men of Israel are with Absalom. So David said to all of the servants who were with him at Jerusalem, Arise and let us flee, or we shall not escape from Absalom. Make haste to depart, lest he overtake us suddenly and bring disaster upon us and strike the city with the edge of the sword. And the king's servant said to the king, We are your servants, ready to do whatever my lord the king commands. Then the king went out with his household after him. But the king left ten women, concubines, to keep the house. And the king went out with all the people after him and stopped at the outskirts. Then all his servants passed before him, and all the Garatites, all the Pelatites, and all the Gittites, six hundred men who had followed him from Gath, passed before the king. Some people say, well, King David was scared and ran for his life. I want you to know something. And even though David fled, he wasn't in fear. Even though David regrouped, he didn't run. David knew something that many of us struggle with. Sometimes you have to hold them, and sometimes you have to fold them. Sometimes you should stand and fight. Sometimes you should avoid a fight. Sometimes you should stay, and sometimes you should go. In Psalms chapter 3, or the third psalm, King David wrote this as he was fleeing. We don't know if when he was stopped or, or when he wrote it, but he wrote this about this experience. And he said these words, Lord, how they have increased who trouble me. Many are they who rise up against me. Many are they who say of me, there is no help for him in God. But you, O Lord, are a shield for me, my glory and the one who lifts up my head. I cried to the Lord with my voice, and He heard me from His holy hill. I lay down and slept. I awoke, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you have struck 
all my enemies on the cheekbone. You have broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing is upon your people. David says, I might have to run for a season. I might appear to be down and out. Everybody else says the Lord is against me. But he says, when I lay my head on the pillow, when I am in the dark of night, I know I've got one hope, one answer, and that is the Lord. And the Lord fights for me, and the Lord is with me. The Lord is my shield. The Lord is my strength. And there is nothing that anyone can do to me that God is not overseeing. And friends, today some of you need to hear that. Some of you need to truly believe that the Lord loves you, wants a relationship with you, and even though your marriage might be bad, even though your family might be falling apart, even though you might be struggling with sin and brokenness and hurt and bitterness, today you need to know one thing. God has not abandoned you. That's all right. That was good whether you liked it or not. See, we're too dishonest with ourselves. We think we're always right with God. Or we think that we're too far that God could love us. And what we see from David is, even though your life could be falling apart around you, all the people who were supposed to love you and be with you and be there for you are not there. But David realized something that we have got to return to, that the Lord is everything and all that we need. A relationship with Jesus is more important than anything else. It's the reason that we make it through life's ups and downs. It's the reason when everything falls apart that we can have hope and joy and peace. It is because there is a God who loved us so much that He sent His only begotten Son to die upon the cross for us, to be buried for us, to die for us, to raise for us, and says, if you'll repent of your sins and call upon My name, I will save you. And when I save you, I will never, ever leave you. You see, that's the great picture of this. David knows that everything's falling apart. David knows that his son has betrayed him. David knows that the army has turned on him. And you say, well, if David had so much confidence in God, why'd he run? This is going to sound very mind-blowing to you. But God sometimes gives you enough sense to know what to do. You say, well, that wasn't very much faith. He ran. That is why I believe that God gives you and I a choice in following Him, loving Him, and serving Him. Because David says, even though I know God will protect me, if we stay, we die. But if we flee, we live. And this morning, you need to know that. Jesus died for you. Jesus loves you. Jesus wants a relationship with you. Jesus wants to fix the marriage that you're in. Jesus wants to work in the unforgiveness that you have. Jesus wants to work in the brokenness that you have. And if you'll repent and turn to Him, a time of refreshing will come. It's a promise that God has made. If you call upon the name of the Lord, you shall be saved. But friends, you can choose today to leave the same way you came. You can leave here today saying, you know what, we're still married, that's good enough. Friends, I pray that you will be able to celebrate your marriage. Well, we've got kids, That's, I guess it's better than nothing. Oh, God wants you to have a relationship that loves them and cares about them. You see, what we see from this passage of Scripture is this, that David was not alone with the Lord, but there was also just a few people that stood with him. 
But I want you to see that the people that stood with him were not the people that you would have thought. They weren't the great Jewish families. David was a Jew. They weren't the people who had anointed him at Hebron. They weren't the people who had marched with him and been with him. They were all foreigners. Did you notice that? The Cherites, the Pelethites, and the Gittites. And if you've heard nothing else I've said until now, listen. When David was running from Saul early in his life, he had met all of these people. And the life that David lived and the relationship he had with the Lord and how he treated them made such a difference in their life that they followed him not because they had to, but because they chose to. Now don't miss this. Our desire as believers should be that we live in such a way that people want to know the person that we're following. The God that has changed us. The Jews knew who God's King was. The Jews knew who they should follow. The Jews knew who they should support. But because of their flesh and their selfishness decided Absalom's the guy. And friends, you need to know something. Even though not everyone will stay faithful to you, if you will live for Jesus and love people, there will be some. Not everyone that we share the gospel with in this community is going to be saved. But there will be some. Not everyone that you work for and work with and tell them that you're going to be praying for them will be happy about it. But for some, it will make all the difference. That is why as a church, we can never stop loving people even if the community says we shouldn't. We shouldn't stop trying to reach people even if everybody else says no one can reach them. We should never try to help the broken even though the world says they're too broken. Because you never know, one of these days you might look up and say, I can't believe that guy's preaching. Or you might look up and say, I can't believe that guy's my Sunday school teacher. I can't believe when my mom was dying of cancer, that's the one that came and visited and prayed for me. You never know what God might do through your love for Jesus and living for Him. And that's my challenge to this church. This community does not need more church buildings. This community does not need more religious services. What we need is the move of God through the people of God that changes us. And when we leave this place and we go into the community and when you go to work and when you go to school and when you are cut off in traffic, when someone cuts in front of you at food park, right? When someone doesn't serve you the best food at the restaurant, that how you love them and how you treat them shows them that Jesus loves you. I say all that knowing this one simple truth as I close. David and his son is the closest relationship you can have outside of Jesus and with a spouse. And so this sermon should hit home because the relationships that hurt us the most are the ones that are the closest to us. Now some of you are so young, you're saying, well, I don't have any bad relationships. I've I've never had this. You just wait. There are some stinkers in this old world. And in that moment, you'll have a choice. Do I honor Jesus or do I treat Him like everyone else?
Do I let this relationship make me bitter and angry and broken? You see, David could have just laid down and quit. David could have just ran to the backside of the desert and been like Elijah or Jonah and said, Lord, just kill me. But what he's doing here is this. Why they stop at the lighthouse, the last house, is because they have a little military parade. Because they're not just fleeing for fear like a certain president pulled us out of a country. They are reminding themselves that they are still together. They are reminding themselves that there are still people who are loyal to David. They are showing themselves that they might be down, but they are not out. And some of us today are in situations that are so messed up that you figure we are down and we cannot get out. And God wants you to hear that's not true. Some of you have been struggling with sin for so long in your life. And you said, Jake, there's no way I can get victory over that today. God wants you to know that you can. Some of you are saying, Jake, I have tried everything in this life. I've tried money. I've tried power. I've tried wealth. I've tried everything to find value in my life, and I still can't find it. Today, the Lord wants you to know that it's Him that you need. It's a relationship with Him. And friends, today, if this church will get honest with God and get honest about our relationships, there is no limit to what God can do. And what I want for my family is even though we've had our share of problems, our marriage has not been a walk in the cake, right? Raising half a dozen literally children is not always easy. Having family and friends and growing up in the same community that you made almost everybody mad at some point in your life is not always easy. Pastoring in the same community that you used to run around and and, and do all kinds of sinful and wicked things is not always easy, but you have to remind yourself that who you were is not who you are. And with Jesus, everything can change, no matter how hopeless it seems. And I pray you'll believe that today. Father, we thank You so much for Your Word. God, You know this is not the sermon that I would have preached. Lord, it's not even a sermon that I would have ever went and found on my own. But God, You put it in Your Word. Today, I don't know what people are going through. I don't know the struggles they're having. God, I don't know what brought them here today. But I pray, Lord, no matter how much pain, no matter how much joy, no matter how much brokenness, that today they see that it doesn't have to define who they are. And so, Father, for that family that's just holding on by a thread, I pray today, Lord, that You'd show them that You can restore. God, for that person that's hurt, I today, Lord, I pray that You'd show them that You can put it back together. Lord, for that person that's lost today, God, I pray that Your Holy Spirit is convicting them and drawing them and showing them that You can save them. But Father, especially today, I pray for that person that's sitting in this place and thinks this doesn't apply to them. For that person that's living wicked, that's, that's hard in their heart, that's, that doesn't think there's any reason to worry about You, God, or to have a relationship with You, Father, I pray for them today that You'd soften their hearts, that today would be the day, Lord, that they would come to know You and experience the joy it is of knowing You. Lord, thank You for this group of people. Thank You for sending them here today. And I pray, Lord, that You would do what only You could do and change their lives. I ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.